You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This podcast is brought to you by Coors Light. Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Honestly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this as my sort of last and final opportunity. If this doesn't work out, if I don't make this work and if this doesn't work out, at that point, I don't see ever getting back to playing, right? From the beginning, this podcast was always supposed to be six episodes. But as we were making it, news of Freddie Adu potentially playing again started to circulate. And just last fall, he actually signed somewhere for the first time in two years. You may have heard that news, or maybe not. Freddie's signing at 31 was much quieter than his first at 13. No press conference this time. Young Mr. Freddie Adu. No interviews. I don't want it to get too serious. No fans. There was none of that. This time, it was basically just us watching. You, me, and this podcast. You and I are some of the only people still closely following Freddie. And we're the only ones who sat down with him after his recent signing. Something I never expected to be doing because I never expected Freddie would play again, especially not abroad. Everybody we talked to in this podcast, they too were skeptical Freddie would ever play again. But they did hope this day would come. I will always love Freddie. He will always have a piece of my heart. I'm excited for him. Whatever channel, you know, or network is covering it, I will get it on demands or I'll get a subscription to it so I can watch Freddie play. He's still got a whole life ahead of him, so I'll be interested to see what he does. It is a fascinating and curious story and time in our American soccer history, the Freddie Adu saga. If there's anything to hang our hat on or hope on, they, that that's what I would love to see. I would still love to see him play again at, at any level. I don't know. I just, I would love to see it. Since 2018, when Eric Winalda cut Freddie from the Las Vegas lights, Freddie has kept working to catch another coach's attention. He kept hoping he would get the pleasure of playing again. He kept trying to get healthy. He just kept at it, mainly because he needed to. I love, love, love soccer. I, I know a lot of people had given up on me and thought I would never play again, but I wanted to keep playing. I never once thought that I was done. Not once. It wasn't a great time, you know, because I wasn't playing and it was weird. Like, when I'm not playing, when I'm not involved in it like that, it's it's really weird because I don't know. I don't know my life without soccer, without being in the team, without being in the locker room, without preparing for games. You know what I'm saying? Like, having practices in the morning. It's just, it was different. It, it really was. That love of the game is what has propelled Freddie all career long. It's what pushes a lot of top athletes. It took Freddie to the peak of MLS in more ways than one, and today, it's what has taken him half a world away to his 14th club. 
where he'll be a 31-year-old veteran star surrounded by a bunch of younger players searching for their own stardom. This is a perfect opportunity for me. You know, I'm not going in at the top, top division right now that I'm going to go and, you know, sit and, and you know, play some games and not play some, you know, this is going to give me an opportunity to just play, 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 play and get back into form, you know, get back in, into actual play and shape and into form and then hopefully take it from there. Because I mean, I just turned 31 a couple months back and, you know, this day and age, 31 ain't that old, right? So. <laughs> Remember, this love of playing soccer is how it's always been for Freddie. We were just playing soccer at recess and one of the kids, he said, hey, you're really good at soccer. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, that's all I do. I played it <laughs> my whole life. This love has also caused a lot of struggle for Freddie. I'm the type of player that if I'm starting and if I have that responsibility, you'll get more out of me than when you bring me off the bench. This love is what makes up most of Freddie Adu. Grant, I love soccer so much. I just don't see myself without the sport. I gotta play. Soon, this love might bring Freddie back a bit more of the life that he truly lives for. I am very excited to get back to playing. I just care. I just want to play. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to play. Welcome to American Prodigy. I'm Grant Wall. Okay, so, you know, I've been sort of away from soccer for, for, for you know, a while. Like the past, 2019, I didn't play at all whatsoever. My plan was always to get back to playing um, in 2020, obviously. Uh, but COVID, everything, it just kind of sort of changed the plans up a little bit. But uh, during the pandemic, Freddie had an unusual routine like all of us. Besides training, there wasn't much to do except watch games on TV, hang around, and check social media. And for Freddie, most of his notifications to this day still revolve around one thing, the globally popular video game simulation, Football Manager. I get so many messages, right? On Instagram, on Twitter, whatnot. 80% of that is, is about football manager. Apparently, I'm like a legend legend. And you know what? I'll take me in a legend any day of anything. In the game, 2004, Freddie Adu was as dominant as Bo Jackson was on the old Tech Mobile video games, which is to say, a simulation legend. In a Twitter poll conducted in 2019 by Sports Bible with more than 17,000 respondents, Adu was chosen the greatest football manager wonder kid of all time, winning in a landslide. When Freddie gets discussed on social media, there's a good chance it's about the simulation, not the real thing. Apparently, I helped a lot of people win a lot of leagues. Uh, and, and you know, <laughs> hey, it, it's great. I hear that all the time, man. I really do. And I, I never played it either. But, you know, I, I started looking into it a little bit when, when I was starting to get a lot of messages. And now I'm like, wow, apparently I'm a football manager legend. So, you know, you can refer to me as football manager legend. I'm cool with that. Being a video game legend is great, but it wasn't what Freddie wanted. He wanted to be great in reality again. He wanted to get back on a real field, but the pandemic made it tough. Then, this fall, a message appeared. I get a lot of messages. I don't check them. Sometimes I would go in there and I would just clear it all out. One day I just went in there and the first message that was up was a message from a guy in, in Sweden 
talking about, hey, my company just bought a new team in Sweden called Australian FF, and we would love to speak to you about bringing you in, assigning you, et cetera. I looked at it and I kind of laughed. I'm like, oh, here we go again. I replied. I don't know what made me reply. And he said, yeah, it's serious. Uh, is there a way we can call you or contact you? So then I'm like, all right, well, no harm to talk to him and whatnot. Got on a uh, conference call with them, spoke. Everything was legit. They really made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Basically, from the day that I had, I replied to the message and the day the contract was signed, I think it was like within a week or something like that, and it was done. Back in October, after a nearly two-year hiatus, Freddie signed a one-year contract with a third-division Swedish club, Osterlin, in Malmo, Sweden. Malmo's a pretty big town over there. And uh, I mean, I don't think, you know, look, the team is in, it would be qualified as what, third division, right? So I chose to do this because I know that I need, I need the games. I need this. Osterlin was founded in 2014 and was recently bought by a 31-year-old Swede, Alexander Hutenen. The guy I spoke to, his name is Alexander Huytenen. And uh, they, that, like, the company had just bought the team. And he, apparently, he's, he's not an older guy. He's a younger, you know, more to the younger end. And he'd been a big fan of mine since I came in the league in 2004. And he'd followed me and he just thought it would be great to bring me in and help get me back into playing again. Hootenen could not be reached for an interview for this podcast. Not even after I asked Freddie for some help. Straight up, like he 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 was like he was like yeah I don't do interviews I don't want to do any of that that's all on you uh, so yeah he's he's a very private private guy. According to Sweden's often blotted newspaper, Hutenen and his business partner James Rosselin have been making a series of investment splashes in Swedish sports recently. This summer, after starting a brand new stable, they stepped into Swedish trotting or harness racing, a popular sport in Sweden by showing up at a horse auction and buying the most expensive mare on the spot for about 140,000 US dollars. Three months later, Hutenen showed up in Freddy's DMs and signed Freddy for an undisclosed amount. It's not really about the money. When they made me the, I mean, I didn't expect all of that, but I said yes, because like I said, I hadn't given up on playing. According to another Swedish newspaper, Kvalsposten, Hutenen has a questionable business past and has been attracting attention in Sweden because of these sudden investments and signings. According to Kvalsposten, in his past, Hutenen has been convicted of 39, quote, frauds, which he explained to the newspaper as, quote, this has been translated from Swedish, I was young and stupid, otherwise I do not want to comment on it anymore. A lot can happen, you mature and take hold of things. Everyone can step on the wrong foot at some point, end quote. Um, yeah. I honestly, between me and you, I won't well, between me and you, but you know, I, I, I was very skeptical, um, when this whole thing started, uh, because I was like, you know, just like I said, the offer they made me, I was just sitting there like, well, how can this team afford that and do this and do that? And then uh, lo and behold, it's, it's that, you know, the company, the company, they, they sort of breed horses and whatnot. They do well for themselves. So, you know, like I said, um, everything just checked out and I just I just went for it, you know. Freddie says he signed a one-year guaranteed contract with an additional year option. 
and he wouldn't disclose his salary. As part of the deal, he did say that he will get the use of a car and an apartment. He knows there are risks going to Osterlin, and he knows clubs in the past have signed him just to make a marketing splash. But at 31, and this being his 14th club, his 14th job, he's not ignorant. Look, I'm not naive. I'm not naive. Yes, it benefits the club. It benefits them. I'm sure a lot of people didn't know the name Osterlin FF even existed. But now, exactly. But now people do, right? So, yes, I get it. But at least they're <laughs> at least they're upfront about it. They're not trying to hide the fact that, listen, we, you know, we know you have a big name in the sport, quote unquote. We want to bring you in. Yes, it helps our club out. We want to get better players in because, you know, having you in hopefully helps us get better players in, eyeballs in our team. But we just want to win. We want to get to the top league as fast as possible. That's that's their goal. Not naive. I get it. But at least I know how to deal with it much better now than before. You know, before I was a little bit naive. I went in there and I'm like, oh, they're bringing me in. I'm going to play. Boom. And then when you get there, they're like, do this interview, do that interview, you know, go do that, go do that. And it's just basically just a, just becomes a, a, a big clown show sometimes. This time we're all on the same page. And that's really the first time in a long time that I think I feel comfortable going into a you know, a situation, you know, sort of like this into a new team. Just as you or I would walk into our 14th job differently than how we walked into our first, you can tell Freddie's seeing things differently too. He's seeing more. He'll walk into the Osterlin locker room very differently from how he walked into DC United's. At Osterlin, he knows what he needs and what he doesn't. I went into DC with a lot of hype, a lot of anticipation. It was just big, you know, it was huge. I just want to go in as one of the guys. I really do. It might not be like that, but from everything, from all my experiences, this is what I really hope it, it is. I, for me, I'll do whatever it takes. I'm just going to be one of the guys, get in there, train, play, nothing, no special treatment, no nothing. No, I'm one of the guys, I'm coming in, and I'm just, I just want to help the team get promoted and, and, and do what I got to do. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle and bustle all the time. And all of us could stand to hit that reset button now and again. When you do, make sure you do it with a nice cold Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment straight from the Rockies. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. So next time you're able to sit at a baseball stadium, the sun's hot, and that vendor walks by, say, sir, I'd like a nice cold Coors Light. Coors Light's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Guys, getting older isn't always fun, but it could be. And Roman is here to help. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation for erectile dysfunction and hair loss, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet, so complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com Prodigy now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com Prodigy. Get started now to save $15 on your first month of treatment. 
All year long, as we pulled together this podcast, and as I covered Freddie in the early 2000s, I saw similar challenges popping up over and over. Challenges that threatened Freddie's career. He just mentioned one, hype, which episode two dove into. Today, you can see, unlike in 2004, Freddie now sees how others use hype for their own gain and how he himself needs to push back against it in order to have a chance to do what he loves and just get to play. I approached a lot of things in ways that I shouldn't have in the past. And uh, my approach right now is completely different. They're not putting too much pressure on me to come in there and do this, 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 and that. No, when I get there, we spoke about it. I do one big introductory press conference and that's it. I'm not doing any one-on-ones, 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 do interviews here and that. Nope. Boom. We get there, ask all your questions, and then that's it. I'm back in, I'm training, I'm focused on that, and I'm not worried about anything else but helping the team win. A second challenge I've seen over and over in Freddie's career is fitness. In the early days, expectations from outside of Freddie would start to cut into his own time. Time that, in hindsight, should have been used to train, to get better, and to get in shape. Eric Ronaldo remembers seeing all those missed hours catch up to Freddie. The problem was is that we were trying to figure out so hard how to sell the game. They made him make six appearances and two commercials and two practices and still start. And, and, then we, and then I'm up in the booth going, he doesn't look like he's 90 minutes fit. Freddie's own expectations and standards surrounding fitness varied too, though. He was never exactly a gym rat. His mental coach, Trevor Moad, said it sometimes took five people to get Freddie in the weight room. I would show up sometimes to preseason without having to go through, you know, basically just not prepare. And, and I'm just being honest, I, I was not prepared. Um, and then I would go in and then my lower back will act up in the first week of training because I wasn't ready. And then that would set me back. The season would start and I would not be a starter. It'll take me a long time to get back in. And, you know, these are the little things that I never, never did in the past. And I am determined not to repeat that again. A third challenge was position, where everyone, including Freddie, thought Freddie fit best on the field. DC United put Freddie on the wing. Salt Lake liked him as a withdrawn forward. Other teams moved him all over the field trying to unlock his potential. But Freddie always saw himself as a central attacking midfielder, a number 10. John Ellinger remembers debating about it all the way back when Freddie was 12. Freddie would always call himself an attacking center midfielder. And we said, you're not an attacking center midfielder. You're a forward who likes to play attacking midfielder. This time around, the new team and Freddie agree where Freddie should play. In the past, when I would go to teams, we wouldn't discuss things like this. And I would get there and I'll be using completely different roles that sometimes just don't suit you. Any team that I ever played for, national team, club team, whatever, my best ball has always come from just playing as a 10 slash attacking midfielder. That's my position. That's always been my position. That's where I play my best. A fourth and final challenge in Freddie's career is the biggest and most important to Freddie, the expectation of playing time from Freddie himself, but also from the people surrounding him. I could sense Freddie changing a little bit, not not completely, but, but a little bit. It was the second year and you could tell that he wanted more playing time. But the thing that was interesting was I didn't always sense, and even to this day thinking about it, I didn't always sense that it was truly Freddie thinking that or saying that. 
At Osterlin, Freddy's trying to avoid all his past drama about playing and not playing. Going to Sweden, he says, gives him an opportunity to do exactly what he wants and what he thinks he needs. That's why I decided ultimately to sign with Osterlin, because this really does present me with an opportunity to play and just build on it. My problem in the past has always been just not playing enough and not getting the game time I needed to really improve as a player and get into form. I'm hoping this will be the first time that I do have that for a sustained, a longer period of time, for a whole season. You know, not just a month, two months, three months, and then that's it. Freddie's clearly more self-aware this time around than back in 2004. He seems more mature. He seems more organized. And if all goes well these next couple of months, and if he makes it to the field this season at 31, he will actually end up sharing one thing with Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, and LeBron James, whom Nike founder Phil Knight compared Freddie to back in the day. Freddie won't share a cabinet of championships and MVP trophies with those three greats, but he will share the ability to play professionally into his 30s. And like those three, it will come because of what is probably the number one reason they all kept playing, the love of the game. This seems like a love of the game situation to me, that this is going to be inspirational to people who know of you, know your story. Do you think so? Yeah, it is. I had a choice. I had interest from other teams. I could have taken the easy route. I could have just been like, all right, that's it. I'm done. But, but Grant, I love soccer so much. I just don't see myself without the sport I love. Right. I, I got to play. I just I need I need that. I need to be around the guys. I need to be around the locker room. I need to be around the sport all the time. And, and you know, I'm a competitive guy. I, I want to be out there and I want to play really as long as I can do it. As long as physically and mentally I can do it, I'm going to do it. And this decision was made one for the love of the game. We don't truly know yet if all this will work out for Freddie. We don't know if Osterlin will keep its word. As we've seen with Freddie, clubs don't always stick to what they say. We also don't know if Freddie will keep his word or that his body will allow him to. As soon as next week, when Osterlin's preseason begins, we'll start to get answers on whether this is any sort of comeback or not. Until then, Freddie has, and will always have, what he's left behind what he's changed for American soccer. Many years from now, when, when people look back on Freddie Adu, what will you want them to think about you? I would like to be known as the guy that put soccer really on the map in America for the general public that didn't know much about soccer, that didn't care much about soccer before. DC United got so many more fans now that never existed before I signed, I guess. Um, so that made me feel really good. It really did. I know a lot of African-Americans that started liking soccer because of me. They didn't know much about anything else, but they knew Freddie Adu, that 14-year-old, you know, that, that signed for DC United. So uh, that was really cool. And uh, I do hope that becomes part of my legacy. One of the few other voices on Freddie's legacy that I was always disappointed we couldn't include in the first six episodes of this podcast was one of the most important voices in American soccer, 
the voice that introduced Freddie to the world. It is with enormous pride and excitement that we announce today that Major League Soccer has reached a long-term agreement with young Mr. Freddie Adu. I've always been curious about MLS Commissioner Don Garber's perspective on Freddie, since a lot of my writing, as well as the rest of the media, the fans, and this podcast, puts some of the blame for Freddie's career not meeting expectations on MLS. Recently, I was able to sit down with Garber and ask him how he saw the Freddie Adu story. I enjoyed the time that I spent with him. I enjoyed the moments that I was able to witness with him in the league. I've seen all these comments over the years of what the league did to him. I don't think we did anything. It was a confluence of circumstances where Freddie, his management, his agent, his family, uh, those around him, as you've reported in your podcast, uh, all sort of seized a moment. And that moment was driven by Freddie's desire to be in that moment. And it didn't work out quite for him the way people had hoped. We all remind ourselves, I hear it every time there's a young, great player. Let's not over-promote this guy so that X doesn't happen. I don't think this is about individuals or entities making those decisions. These are things that just create a life of their own. And that's what happened with Freddie. I want to be clear here. Don Garber has been a transformative commissioner for MLS over the last two decades. But I have to admit, I found the first part of his answer deeply unsatisfying. Really? You don't think the league did anything to 14-year-old Freddie Adu? And I think Garber actually found part of his answer unsatisfying too, which is why he added that MLS now reminds itself not to overpromote a promising young player. The fact is, a lot of people and entities conspired to result in Freddie not realizing his full soccer potential. Freddie himself, most of all. And I think that's important to emphasize, but also the adults in his family and entourage, his agents and MLS power brokers, the sponsors and marketing people, a few coaches and clubs perhaps, and to some extent, the media at large. When I look back at my own coverage of Freddie in 2003 and 04, I don't think what I wrote was irresponsible, but I do think I wrote too much too often about Freddie before he had really accomplished anything as a pro. And I know I've taken a different approach more recently to emerging young soccer stars like Christian Pulisic. My hope is that Freddie goes to Sweden and finds some consistency in club soccer that he has rarely enjoyed in his career. As you've heard throughout this episode, Freddie still has a love for the game, but I want him to find an inner peace in the game too, something he has been searching for in recent years. I hope he gets there. This isn't the end of the story, it's really just the beginning. Remember, he's only in his early 30s. He could go to Sweden and help his team climb the table, win another championship, get promoted, and weave a Disney-like story of a comeback. With Freddie Adu, excessive expectations always seem to be around the corner. Remember when Kerry Goldberg Trutanich, who worked for Freddie's agent, said, It was too much too soon and like, we should have just had him focus on soccer. Even now, she can't help but get a little carried away, imagining a situation in which Freddie exceeds expectations and returns to the national team 10 years after he last played for it. Hopefully the next chapter shows that he's going to tear it up and 
look, how amazing would it be if he teared it up and all of a sudden Burrowhalter calls him in? How amazing would it be if we qualify for the Olympics and Freddie finally gets to go? Like there's so many opportunities here. This story is not done being written by any means. Returning to the national team would be amazing, obviously, but it's just unrealistic. It seems like there's still part of all of us that can't quit our desire to put our own soccer hopes and dreams in Freddie. Expectations and attention will always follow him to some extent, no matter if he's 14 or 31. But you know what's interesting? You and I might wish Freddie had gone about things differently starting in 2004, might wish he had waited longer to turn pro, or chosen to start in a European academy instead of an MLS that wasn't ready for him. But Freddie himself? He wouldn't change most of the aspects of his decision to start all this at DC United at age 14. I'm glad I had the chance to do that. I felt ready, and it was awesome. I do wish that it was just me getting into it, just playing soccer. There was just so much going on at the time, and it was just so hard to deal with as a 14-year-old. That's the only thing that I would change, really, or I would have done differently. But as far as getting a chance to play, I would not change anything about it. Because guess what? My family was not rich, all right? Family was poor. So getting a chance to do that helped me be able to take care of my family and set up my family for a long time. It was really a no-brainer at that point. So yes, Freddie could have a storybook comeback in Sweden. Or he might never see the field because of back injuries. We just don't know yet. And that's why I'll be watching. A lot of people will be watching. And we'll all be hoping. That's the story of Freddie Adu. It's been quite a, a thing for basically for me to spend the last, and, and Harry as well, the last four or five months on this project. And it's hit me. You know, I was first covering you when I was in my 20s and and so like good luck over there I, i'm i'm pulling for you and just be excited to to see what happens and and uh we'll tell your story the right way here yes sir thank you so much man i appreciate it just let me know of anything man you got my contact info so hit me all right awesome thanks so much no problem guys Hey, quick update about the show. This was the final main episode of American Prodigy, Freddie Adu. We've got a bonus behind-the-scenes episode coming next week, and there are going to be more seasons of American Prodigy. Not on Freddie, but on other athletes. I'll tell you more about season two soon, so stay subscribed. Also, drop any athletes you want Blue Wire to cover next in a five-star review. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon. Season one of American Prodigy was hosted, reported, and co-written by me, Grant Wall. Harry Swartout produced and co-wrote the series. John Yales co-wrote this episode and executive produced the series with Peter Moses. Brian Decker scored the series and engineered the sound. Reed Redmond and Jeffrey Besoy provided production assistance. Maggie Lanter provided sales management. Scott Reinen and Crystal Waters provided marketing management. Saul Malone and Dom Musillo covered social, and Walter Heyman provided research assistance. Kevin Jones is the founder and CEO of Blue Wire. If you liked American Prodigy, please subscribe and give us a rating and review. Look out for season two soon.